Go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to read some of the last verses in Matthew 19, and then we will go over to Matthew chapter, chapter 20. Matthew chapter 19, and we'll begin in verse 27. Matthew chapter 19. All right, let's all stand together, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 19. And verse 27 says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, he's speaking to Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And then verse 1 of, of uh, chapter 20 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the, the, the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they, had re when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that, uh, take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful. Uh, this, this evening for the opportunity just to be in church. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the testimonies tonight. Most of all, Lord, thank you for answer to prayer. Thank you for the things that can only be explained 
by the hand of an almighty God that intervenes in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for, for giving us needs and for giving us problems and giving us difficulties so that we can pray to you and ask you to intercede on our behalf. And we see your hand so clearly. God, we pray uh, this evening that you'd speak to our hearts through your word and help us to, to, to see the attitudes that we need to be careful of when it comes to serving God. Uh, Lord, uh, just because we're trying to do right and just because we're trying to serve you and just because we, we are, are, are trying to please you does not mean that we'll always have the right attitudes and it's easy for the bad ones to creep in. So, Lord, help us tonight to have our eyes open by your word. And, uh, Lord, as you speak to our hearts about things that are in our lives, help us, God, to, to respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. The title of this message tonight is just simply things to watch out for when serving God. When, he, when, he, when the Lord Jesus gave this parable, it was, uh, it's an extension of the previous chapter and really springs out of the, the question that Peter asked in verse 27. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And from that, uh, he began to tell the parable of the, of the laborers in the vineyard. And uh, as he was telling, as he was telling this, this parable, he told of the, the first set of laborers that uh, came to the man who owned the vineyard. And the indication is in verse 2, that they, they did some dickering back and forth and eventually came to an agreement as to how much that they should get for one day's labor. And it says, And when he had agreed with the laborers uh, for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So it says he agreed with the laborers. The laborers said, What about a penny? And he said, Okay, that sounds good. And they, they went ahead and they got, they got a penny for their works. Uh, the, in verses 3 and 4, um, he sends out a second set of workers, and, and he sends them out in the third hour, and they, they agree on whatsoever is right. In other words, the, uh, if you look down in verse 3, it says, And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. They just took him at his word, and they went ahead and they went out into the vineyard to work. Now, he did the same thing for those in the sixth hour. He did the same thing for those in the ninth hour and for the eleventh hour. And, and then you get down to verses 8 and 9. And it says, So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyards said unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the, the last and the first. And when they came uh, that were uh, hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And so uh, starting with the last ones that got hired, he paid them, and he paid them the same amount as what he paid the first laborers. And uh, those hired at the first hour, down in verse 10, it says that, uh, uh, it says, but when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. So they, they came to the, the fella, and after seeing all those others getting a full penny, 
they, they said, uh, well, obviously, we're going to get more because we worked the entire day. And that was not the case. He gave them the same amount. And uh, uh, those that were hired at the first hour expected more. And because of that, because they didn't get what they expected, they complained. And you can go down to verse 15. And he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? Now, what that is, that's where we get in America, where we got in America. Unfortunately, we're losing it now. But that's where we got the idea of private ownership and, and of capitalism. The idea was that the person that owned the vineyard could make whatever, whatever wage that he wanted to make and offer it. And if people worked, then they would get that particular wage. But we're, we're losing, we're losing that, that principle today in our country. The implication is that it's not lawful to prohibit, to do whatsoever I will with that which is mine. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the biblical principle is if God has given it to you, then you're the steward of it, and you should be able to make decisions accordingly. Now, there have been, there've been a lot of different interpretations on this parable, and many of them have been erroneous and wrong. There's some that look at this parable and think that this has something to do with salvation. It has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. You say, how do you, how, how do you know that? How can you be so dogmatic? It's simple. Salvation is not a wage. Salvation is a gift. They got a wage for what they did. You do nothing to get saved. You just simply believe on Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. He's the one that does the work. So this, this, this parable has nothing to do with salvation. And, and it also doesn't necessarily have anything to do with future rewards. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians 3, <clears throat> look down with me at verse 8. Paul is explaining about uh, there's one that sows, there's one that sows, there's one that waters, but it's God who gives the increase. And in verse 8 he says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And here's the principle. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. In other words, it's individual. Uh, the rewards that are given will not be given in comparison to anybody else. They are individual rewards. And so this can't, this can't be talking about rewards. What it's focusing on is attitudes in service. Again, if you reflect back, you go back to verse 27, it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Uh, basically what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, we've, we've given up everything. Because we've given up everything, what do we get in return? And uh, the, 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 so the parable really springs from this question. And from that question, I believe Christ saw very clearly 
that there was a, an attitude problem. There was a, a motivation for service problem. He was looking for what he would get because of what he did. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at some, some warnings. And I, I believe that's really what this parable is all about. It's a warning to those of us who are trying to serve God, trying to, when I say serve God, I mean just serve the Lord through your life. You, you, you love him. You want to serve him. You want to minister for him. But there's some things that we need to be careful of, and there's some things we need to watch for uh, during that process. Number one, be careful of not giving your expectations to God. Uh, take your Bibles. Turn with me to keep, keep your finger here because we'll be back to this. But go to Psalm 62. This verse has... God has used over and over again in my life just to help me hit the reset button and to realize that his expectations are not necessarily my expectations and I need to give my expectations to him. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. And, and in other words, I don't expect things from people. I don't expect things from circumstances. I don't expect things from certain areas of my life. I expect things from God. We heard some great testimonies tonight of answer to prayer. You know where people put their expectation in? And put their expectation in doctors. They didn't put their expectation in uh, parts companies or, or auto dealerships. They put their expectation in God. The problem is, is that, that these guys did not give their expectations to the Lord. These, there were two classes of workers here. Uh, the first class was the early morning workers. And these guys, if you'll, if you'll study that verse, if you'll go back with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, and you look at verse 2, it says, And when they had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. In other words, they didn't go to work until they knew exactly what they were going to get. So they knew how much they would get, and then when they knew, they went ahead and they worked. That was the first group. The other groups trusted the householder. Um, it, it, it says that whatsoever is right, I'll give unto thee. And so they said, well, that sounds good to us. Whatsoever is right. What are they doing? Well, they're trusting him. They're believing that he's going to take care of them righteously and, and properly. They believe that, that, that uh, he would do right by them. Uh, you know, there are times that in Scripture, it seems as though the Lord is being harsh in the Gospels. There are times... When you, when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are times when it, it seems that, uh, uh, that the Lord has just been a little hard on somebody. Uh, and yet what he's doing is he's testing that individual spirit. Um, again, it goes back to the, the principle God deals with us as individuals. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I really am. 
I'm glad he doesn't treat me like he treats everybody else. I'm glad he doesn't treat you like he treats your wife, and he doesn't treat your wife like he treats you, and he doesn't treat your kids like, like he treats you. Why? Because you're all on different levels. You've all got different needs, and God is specific in ministering to those needs. And you see this in the scripture. But sometimes it looks like harshness. For instance, um, there was a, a, a woman that came to him that had a daughter that had a, a, an evil spirit. And uh, the disciples kind of ignored him, or ignored her. And she, she came to the Lord, and, and he just, he just kind of pushed her away. And then, then finally, he just, he just looked at her and he, and he said, listen, should the king give, give his bread to the dogs? He called that woman a dog. You say, that was harsh. No, that was necessary. Can you find him calling anybody else a dog? No, you really can't. Uh, that's the only case. And it was a woman. What a terrible thing to do. No, it wasn't a terrible thing to do at all. It was exactly what was needed to test her spirit. And her spirit was tested, and she passed. And she passed with flying colors. What did she say in return? She said, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. Can you give me some crumbs, please, Lord? I mean, basically, that's, that's not King James Bible, okay? But that's, that's, if you read between the lines, that's what she said, okay? And she, she, was, she was admitting that, listen, uh, yeah, I know I'm a dog, but can you be merciful even to a dog? Um, you see, when in John 11, when he's told about Lazarus, and he finds out that Lazarus is sick nigh unto death, and instead of hurrying to take care of Lazarus, because he's got the power to heal, instead he waits so that Lazarus not only is sick, but then he dies because Jesus came after a time. And he gets there, and of course the two sisters come up to him and say, you know, if, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. He goes to the graveside, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the man comes forth out of the grave. Now, where did God get more glory? Would he get more glory from healing a sick person or from raising a guy from the dead? Well, again, the, the whole reason why he did that and the whole reason why he was that way with, with Lazarus, why he waited, why he allowed him to die, was just simply because he wanted God to get more glory. So be careful of the harsh things that seem to happen. You know, you look in, you look in your own life, and you can find all kinds of injustice, what we would call injustices. Uh, I think the, the favorite word today is the word, well, it isn't fair. It just isn't fair. Well, a lot of things probably aren't fair. You know, you've heard the old adage, life is not fair. It isn't. It isn't. But I'll tell you something, my God is always just. Always just. And so if it doesn't appear fair, then there's a rhyme or a reason to it. And God is using that to, to work in your life and mine. Uh, and, and notice, too, that uh, not only did they all get the, the same amount, but when they got paid, they got paid in reverse order. 
in the at the the the, be, uh, the end of chapter 19, he says, "But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Then he tells the parable, which illustrates this very thing. And then at the end of the parable, in verse 16, so the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Um, why did he? Why did he go to the the last ones that he hired and pay them before he paid the first ones? You know what he was doing? He was honoring faith, and he was honoring trust. Those last ones that were hired just trusted the man who owned the vineyard that he would do right by them. The the first ones had to get a specific amount, or they wouldn't go out to work. And so, so God honored that, this man honored that, and he honored it by, by uh, taking care of the last workers first. The, I'm, I'm sure when that, that whole process started, that early on, the, when the, when the uh, first workers were watching what the last workers got paid, they probably rejoiced, and it, it tells us in the scripture that they expected to get more. They said, well, you know what? They got hired later. So they got, they, they, they got the same amount that we were promised. We're going to get more. And they expected that. But then they were shocked when they got the same amount that those that, that had gotten that had worked a whole lot uh, less time. And there's, there's three questions. All of them have a yes answer uh, at the end of the parable. Look, look in verse 13. It says, but he answered one of them. And said, friend, I do, need, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? That's the first question. The answer is, yes, we did. Verse 14, take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto, uh, unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? And the answer to that one is also yes. And then the last question was, is thine eye evil because I am good? And unfortunately, the answer to that question is also yes, their eye was evil. Um, don't tell God what you expect. Instead, trust him that he will do right by you, that he will always be just. Um, according to Ephesians 3.20, it says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, we need to be careful and make sure that our expectations are, are not from us, but they're from God and that we put our expectations in God. If we let him, God wants to do more than just be just. He wants to be gracious. And honestly, I, I've served the Lord now for over 50 years. I've been saved for over 50 years. And, and uh, over and over and over again, my God has been overly merciful and overly good and overly gracious. But I need to trust him. And I need to not put my expectations before him, but make my expectations in him. And, uh, you know, will you be satisfied with whatever God gives you? That's, a, that's really a good question. Take your, take your Bibles and turn to Luke 17. 
in whatever God does with you. You know, we, we, we heard tonight in the testimonies. I got a blessing from the testimonies. I'm glad we did that tonight. But um, we heard in the testimonies how God answered prayer. Now, honestly, there have been prayers that you and I have prayed that God has not answered the way we expected him to answer. We put our expectations before him. Now, I was, I was telling, Karen and I were talking uh, before Sunday school this morning, and uh, both agreed that both of us have at times misread what the will of the Lord is. You know, the Bible, Bible talks about that. It says that uh, if we ask anything, according to uh, 1 John, First uh, John, it's in there somewhere, but it's in First John. And it says, uh, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Okay, if we ask anything according to his will. Well, there's been times when I have misread the will of God. What's important to do when that happens? Make sure you put your expectations in him. Not what you think he'll do, but, but what what what. Uh, what be satisfied with whatever he does do for you and have the right attitude about it. This, the, the, the second attitude we got to uh, be careful of, and we, I to totally skipped Luke 17. Let's go look at Luke 17. And Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Luke 17, verse 7. Says, but which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down and meet, and will not rather say unto him, make ready there wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. In other words, if you're just doing what you're told, why do you need an attaboy? Verse 10, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So it, it, it all rises and falls on having the right attitude when it comes to your expectations from God. And then secondly, be careful of watching other workers. That's exactly what these, these first workers did. They went ahead and, and made an agreement with, with the owner of the vineyard. They went to work, and then they watched as the other ones came in, and they saw uh, what they did, and they saw when they came and how long they worked. And, and uh, they compared themselves among themselves. And the scripture tells us comparing themselves among themselves they were not wise. The early workers compared themselves to the latter ones, and it ended by them complaining against the goodman of the house. Now, a complaining servant is never a surrendered servant. A complaining servant is never a satisfied servant, and it's, it's, it's never a servant with the right kind of heart. Take your, take your Bible and turn with me to the uh, uh, book of John. Matthew, you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And go to John 21. John 21. And in John 21, 
Look with me, if you would, in verses 20 through 22. This is Peter sitting around the fire with, with the other disciples and with Jesus. And uh, it, right after he gets some things right, and three times the Lord Jesus asked him, Lovest thou me more than these? And he, he said that he did love them. Then he gave him a command, Feed my sheep and feed my lambs. Verse 20, he says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, uh, Peter, seeing him, uh, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. He looked at, at, at one of the other disciples, and I believe it was John, and he says, what shall this man do? And he said, what is that to thee? What do you care what I do with him? What do, what do you care what I ask him to do? Uh, it's you and I that matter. And that's, that's the, the kind of attitude that we have to have when we start comparing ourselves among ourselves then we, we, we end up having real problems because we're taking our eyes off of Jesus. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, we've got all kinds of examples of, of men and women that had faith and trust in God. And over and over and over again, we often call that the Faith Hall of Fame. Well, then you go to chapter 12, and in chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Whenever we get into trouble, whenever I get into trouble, it's when I take my eyes off of the Savior and I start looking at other people. Why, Why did that person get what they got and I didn't get what I wanted? Why was that person's bill taken care of but my bill wasn't taken? How come they haven't gotten in an accident but I've had three this last month? You know, whatever the case might be. Uh, uh, you really get into trouble. How come they've got good health and I don't have good health? Because God deals with us as individuals and watch out for looking at other workers. We, we, we look at others and the Bible says we develop an evil eye. And an evil eye is just simply uh, having greed, selfishness, envy, jealousy. Uh, the, the, prodigal, uh, the prodigal son's brother had that problem in Luke 15. It says that when the prodigal son came home, that the father was happy and he was rejoicing in the fact that his son had returned and had done so of his own volition. He didn't run and get him. He decided he wanted to come back to dad. And so the, 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 uh, the, the uh, other brother that stayed there and was faithful and never left dad and was loyal to dad, he comes to him and said, listen, you're giving this guy a party. And this guy went out into sin. He spent all his inheritance. Now he comes home and you're throwing a party. You've never thrown a party for me. Well, what is that? That's the evil eye. He's looking at that thing and he's, he's saying, listen, you've never done that for me. Well, it's because he's dealing with a different situation with that son than he is with the son who is loyal. And, and he, he told his son, he says, listen, he says, you have all that I have. He'd already taken his inheritance and blown it. But that son, 
had everything that remained. And whenever we start doing that comparison thing, we end up in real trouble. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. And look with me in Romans 14 and verse 4. And this is, this is how we get in trouble. Verse 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And you, you drop down to verse 10. It says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And someday when we stand before that judgment seat as, as believers, we won't be judged uh, uh, for our sin. We'll be judged according to our works, according to 1 Corinthians. And, and uh, when that takes place and when, when that occurs, we won't stand holding anybody's hand. We won't stand with anybody else. We'll be by ourselves. And we must all give a personal account of, of our lives before the Lord, and God deals with us personally. Um, you know, we, we, we look at situations and say, well, why, why did this person get the pat on the back and I didn't get it? Why did this person uh, get uh, this particular uh, situation, get this given to them, and I didn't get it given to me. Uh, why do they get more attention than I get? Why, you know, and on and on it can, it can, it can go. I, I've been down that road. I've been down that road. That's a dead-end street. Uh, you know, years ago, we, my, my wife and I had an extremely large uh, medical bill. Back then it was like today, it's minuscule in comparison. But, uh, but we had a, a very large medical bill, and uh, we had somebody in to the church. We had a special offering, and they had, a, they had a medical bill as well. And I was on staff at the time. It was over in Green Bay, and they paid for that bill pretty much in full. I mean, the offering came in, and, man, it was taken care of. And I remember walking away. I wasn't rejoicing at all. I was bitter. I was mad. I was upset. <laughs> this church says that they, that they love their staff, they love their pastor, and they love their associate. Ah, they pay for somebody else's bill, didn't pay for mine. Don't go there. That's a stupid road to travel. And, and I, I finally saw the folly of my attitude and repented and got that thing right. But God deals differently with us for a reason. Because he knows us and he knows, knows what we need. And the last thing is be careful of presumption. Be careful of presumption. The early workers presumed that they'd get more because they worked longer. Uh, ne never trust your own opinions. Never trust your own surmisings and evaluations. Uh, all of that is based on pride. And, and understand that uh, don't expect God to act the way that you think he ought to act. You know, you know the verse, but, uh, God says about, about comparison between him and us. He says, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts, saith the Lord. So we don't, we don't act like he does and we don't think like he does. So don't put him in your individual box. Now, there's, there's a difference between promises 
and presumptions. When God makes a promise, he's going to stick with his promise. Uh, if, you know, if he says he's going to do something, then he will do it and he'll make sure you're taken care of. But don't put a presumption on God. Uh, don't, don't make God act the way, at least in your own mind, you can't make God act the way that you want him to act. But, uh, but don't expect him to act the way that you want him to act and do what you expect him to do. This, here's, here's where the whole thing uh, falls out. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four. And look with me, if you would, down in verses one through five. First Corinthians chapter four. Verses one through five it says, let a man account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord." And what he's saying simply is, listen, you're, you and I are told to be faithful and trust God's judgment. That's exactly what those later workers did. They said, okay, we, we need work. We just trust that the, the owner of the vineyard will do right by us. And we're going to go out there and we're going to work like crazy and just believe that he'll give us a proper amount. And you look down at verse 5, and it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. I am, I am you know, there's a lot of things God gives us uh, a lot of information on that happens in our lives. You can look back over your shoulder and you can see well, I didn't understand at the time why this happened, but now I know because of everything else that fell into place. You know what I'm talking about. You've had it happen to you. And uh, uh, there, there are a lot, there's a lot of information that you get and a lot of understanding that you get just with time passing. But can I tell you something? There's going to be a lot of that revealed to us that we didn't have a clue what was going on in the background. And someday in glory, I think it's one of the joys of heaven is being able to look and have the mind of Christ and say, whoa, that's why God did. Whoa, that's why God allowed that. Whoa, that's why, you know, and, and you'll, you'll see more fully than you've ever seen before the hand of God in your life. Um, often what we think ought to be first is what God says ought to be last, and what God says ought to be first, we think uh, ought to be last. So there, there are three, three warnings that are given to us here. Number one, give your expectations to God. Don't, don't put, you know, really, don't put God in the box. Let him take care of you and trust that he is just. Secondly, don't watch others. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, don't presume 
uh, what God shall do. Don't presume what God, what, what God shall do, uh, what God will do, because he will always, always be right. He'll always be just. Uh, the parable came as a warning to Peter's statement in Matthew 19, 27, when he said, what shall we have therefore? In other words, what he was really asking was, what's in it for me? That's not the question. The question is, how can my life give honor and glory to God by me just simply putting all my trust in him doing right? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that this evening that you'd help us to see the importance of just, just trusting you and believing that the judge of the earth shall do right. Lord, uh, you are always righteous. You are always just. You are always good. It doesn't always seem like you are fair, but you are always righteous, always good, and always just. Help us, God, to put our expectations in you, put our trust in you, not compare ourselves with others, but just simply believe that you'll do right by us. Work in our hearts tonight. And Lord, if there's an issue that we need to lay at the altar tonight, I pray, Father, that you would help us to, to do just exactly that and to just put our faith and our trust in you in all areas of our lives. We pray your blessings upon this invitation. Have your will and way in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with, if you would, with heads bowed and eyes closed.